0: Hello, my loves. Welcome back to the New Truth Podcast episode of 145, The Truth About Cheating. Um, I'm just going to do a little blurb about this episode um, before we get into it and tell you a little bit about this special, amazing human being that I got to have an, a really powerful, potent conversation with, Mark Groves. You may have heard of him. He's very, very well known in the relational space, in the personal development world. His Instagram handle is Create the Love. Um, he's been speaking out about you know bullshit conditioning around love and how to actually have healthy empowered relationships for a long time. He also has an app called Mind all about expanding your mind and your heart and your way of operating in your life and the world. Um, he has a podcast called The Mark Groves Podcast. And Mark is an amazing, amazing human who is just so, he's so congruent. I, you know, to me, that's the one of the most important things with teachers and whenever I'm working with a mentor or a teacher or coach, what's the most important to me is are they walking the talk? And this man is so embodied in his work. He's such a delightful human. Um, so brilliant, so wise, always expanding always exploring, always um, deepening his understanding of his work and what he stands for and believes in. He's just so magical, such an amazing, amazing soul. So you are in for a treat today. We unpack the topic of cheating, which so many people have been impacted, whether you've been cheated on, or you've been the one in the relationship who goes outside of the relationship and carries the guilt and pain of that, or whether you are someone who has been with someone who's in a relationship. there. Is, this is such um, and really an Untouched topic. It's it's not something that's talked about a lot yet. It happens so often because of the old paradigm of love, and so um, Mark and I unpack it from every angle. I was originally going to have this conversation with Catherine Danielli, but she went into labor earlier than we thought she would, so just a couple of days early. So she is uh, going to be back very very soon. But I decided to reach out to the one and only Mark Groves because he's been talking a little bit about this topic in particular, and I just love everything he has to say. So enjoy the episode. Um, just to give you a little bit of a background, uh, he's a speaker, writer, motivator, creator, collaborator. Mark works in the academic realm and um, invites humans to explore the good, bad and the ugly parts of themselves. So he's here to empower individuals, to step into their power, transform the way they relate to themselves, and create authentic change for a life that they love um so this is who mark is and uh yeah he's a very very powerful man so go follow him on and create the love enjoy the episode and as always spread the love to all your friends who need to hear this message much love Welcome back to the New Truth Podcast. Very, very excited to have this amazing guest today. Um, I'm sitting here with a beautiful man who's making a massive, massive impact in the world in every sense of the word. I'm so freaking honored to have you here. Um, Episode 145, The Truth About Cheating with Mr. Mark Groves.
1: What a subject uh take on. And thank you for your kind words. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah. So you are the the man all about love. And I love that your work is so aligned with the new truth, which is all about standing for who we really are in relationships and no longer operating from our protective mechanisms and, and actually learning how to love from a place of truth within ourselves. And everything you teach is so, so aligned. And so I, the reason I wanted to, Catherine was going to do this, this uh, episode with me, and then she ended up having a baby <laughs> quicker than that. expected a few days early. So, And I, the reason I thought of you is because I saw that reel you did uh, hot tip for you. Um, well, can you reenact it? Hot tip? <laughs> yeah. Hot, hot tip. dating tip.
1: Don't pay. Don't date people in relationships with other yes. people. Yes. Yes. Pretty simple truth.
0: Yes, and I feel like it's a truth that needs to be talked about because you know it happens. So many women that I work with have been cheated on many mm-hmm. times by their spouses, and that's actually really common with the women I work. With. I work with a lot of divorced women, mm-hmm. and um, and then also the experience of being the cheater to try and escape whatever you know, escape fantasy of the the pain that they're in, and and um, and then of course being the other woman. So I'd love to unpack as many angles as we can today. But first, let's start off with what? Why do you think? that people cheat. Mark Gross. Oh
1: man, for a myriad of reasons. I want to qualify that everything I'm about to say is not talking about the serial cheating narcissist. So, you know, the, the abusive, that kind of dynamics. um, If you're in those types of dynamics, leave those dynamics. You're not going to change a serial cheating narcissist. The change is someone actually leaving them. Uh, and so I think we just have to add that qualifier yes. because, you know, the majority, what happens often with infidelity is that we uh we immediately make the cheater, the villain. Yes, And I'm not saying that betrayal is not awful. I'm not saying that cheating as an act, as a behavior is not incredibly painful. What I'm saying is that the source of the behavior is usually disconnection, is usually hurt, is usually you know, something along those lines. And so I think people cheat. So I'll try to think of as many reasons as I can. One of the main ones, I think, because relational endings are so shamed, like getting divorced is shamed. A relationship ending, especially for women, is really seen as a failure. And, you know, I think that's in large part because of the socialization that women get, that the relationship's, are kind of their responsibility and you think about you know women tend to be more communal more communicative more community based and i think socially we have put it on them that holding the relationship and family together is their job yeah. and so if the relationship ends then they're seen as a failure and they might see themselves as a failure they can't just leave because they don't want to be there and you think about this the history of divorce i'll speak to the law in canada it's not that dissimilar in the States, but I'm sure there are differences. You weren't even allowed to get divorced till, you know, the early eighties. Sorry, the, sorry, the late, um, the, I think it was 69, somewhere around there. Um, you had to have like a reason you were allowed to, but it had to be approved by the government. Yeah. Which is crazy. And then they brought in the divorce act. I think it was called, I think it was in 68 or 69. I used to know the exact time, but I don't right now. Either way, it came in right at the emergence of the sexual revolution, you know, feminist revolution. A lot of things were happening at the same time. And so divorce skyrocketed when it came in because it said, Hey, like you can now leave your spouse because you want to leave your spouse. And before I believe you had to prove like abuse or sexual, you know, uh, things like that. Anyways, you just think of the So at that point, you had to be separated for three years. And then in 86, they amended it and it was only one year. So people were like, oh, shit, I can do one year. So that's when a whole bunch more divorces shot up. And when you think about it, the reason I'm explaining this is because. It almost like it's almost like there wasn't even an option, like you had to work it out. Yeah. and if you were divorced think of the dreams that people were that media created propaganda created in the 50s the, the the ads in the 1950s just look them up i mean they're all about a woman taking care of their man there is a a book that i remember running across that was uh, five ways to train your wife and you know you think about that imagine being a kid and seeing that on a table You know, I used to joke being like five ways, just five. It's five easy steps. That's simple. Wow. That's (laughs) like, we've tried to minimize it to this, but a lot of the images of it are really bad. A lot of the ads from the fifties are like, you know, appliances and women and serving their man and blah, blah, blah. Again, all of this to say that the conditioning then comes when you're at the space where you want to potentially leave your partner where things are not good. They don't want to actually do the emotional work sometimes unconsciously and consciously but mostly unconsciously the only way we know that we can leave is by getting caught cheating right that Blow will it. sabotage the relationship also what can be happening is we're getting our needs met elsewhere maybe we don't have the skills to meet them in the relationship maybe we don't know how maybe we've tried and it's not working and and so we're getting our needs met and we get caught getting our needs met you know the Other side of it too is, you know, it you don't have to leave a relationship to leave a relationship. So sometimes one person wants to leave, but they don't. And so they actually are just totally void within the relationship. And then the other person cheats. You know, sometimes we punish our partners by not allowing them intimacy. You know, maybe we're feeling hurt. And a lot of things that are sexual, like sexual challenges in relationship, are relational challenges. They're just showing up as sexual challenges. So if we're willing to look at what the source of the infidelity is, then we can at least get to our own behaviors, you know, because if you're someone who cheated and maybe you had an ongoing, maybe you had a couple one night stands, you know, maybe you had an ongoing relationship it's just important to get to the core of why did you feel like you couldn't leave did you feel like your needs did you where did you see infidelity as an exit before where did you see infidelity normalized how did the other partner in probably our parents or someone close to us how did they respond to it did they leave did they stay did you know and you you start to see the patterns follow the matrilineal line and the patrilineal line and and that's how we can begin to heal
0: yeah yeah, I was just thinking as you're describing that too, like the, the whole fairy tale love story, we unpack that a lot on the new truth and the bullshit. Yeah. The fairy tale fantasy. Sweet Disney,
1: you know, fantasy. be up in a tower, let the and man save you.
0: And like the, Oh, rom coms are the best for that. And then like dark and the light and I hate you and I love you and the, the, all that dynamic, the dysfunction dysfunction that, that so many relationships start with because they're in fantasy and they're having those high chemicals. And then, and then they get all of a sudden their pain sets in and reality sets in and they are sitting in front of this person who they feel is responsible for how they feel their pain, their pleasure. And that high is no longer there it feels mm-hmm. like eventually people like on some level they're 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 wanting i hear so often women say i just want to go back to how it was but they're comparing it to a time that wasn't even grounded in truth mostly it's like often grounded in the no, it's the and fantasy. You can't
1: go back to the I, yeah, unconscious. You
0: exactly. Know? So then they recreate it with I, for women who have affairs in a relationship, they or men too, they recreate that feeling inside of themselves with another person, like chasing the hit of because they're no longer getting it the source from their partner. Right.
1: Yeah, they don't know how to sit in the space that love isn't always elation, you know really at the core of what love is 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 security is dependability but dependability isn't sexy yes. you know especially if we grew up with it not being you know if if our parents mm-hmm. weren't reliable if if our environment wasn't reliable and we saw love as being unreliable then we'll often be attracted to people who are unreliable or not available you know we're in in a way too you got to think uh, a lot of people eroticize their pain so someone's not available or they're not around and the way they treat that is actually with arousal. And so they're feeling disconnected. They're feeling not chosen. They're feeling whatever. And that that is a familiar feeling and the way that it gets treated is to, you know, have some cunnilingus, which, Hey, cunnilingus probably treats a lot of things, (laughs) but it doesn't treat the core of, can we sit in the space of not being chosen? Can we sit in the uncomfortable feelings that it wasn't safe for us as a child? And, you start to realize that dependability is actually super hot and that boundaries are super hot where it gets muddy. I would say is that often what we also find very unattractive is people who are doormats and codependent. And so that is where sort of the line gets like we, someone might be nice quote unquote and reliable, but they're actually not sovereign. They're not themselves. They're, their kindness is contrived and so you you have you know that also needs to be navigated too but you can't just if you if you leave relationships by cheating or have continuous infidelity then you're not getting to the core of the thing so you'll just keep repeating it you can go from relationship to relationship no matter your pattern and i'm not again outside the context of abusive relationships i mean like Hey, let's say we always hit a limit with communication. Maybe we always seem to choose people who work night shifts or don't live where we live. You know, like these patterns show up and no matter what their invitations, invitations to look at something deeper.
0: Yeah. And I think that we get addicted or part of us gets addicted to the disappointment or addicted to the, the the person not showing up over and over again or addicted to to live in our story and it gets validated
1: and maybe we use our drama to connect with other people yeah maybe we see ourselves as the fuck up so we just keep banging people and cheating because it's just part of our role that we played in our family was to destroy things so that people would love us or notice us and maybe not love us
0: but we got attention and it worked yeah exactly but it's a painful cycle. So, so thinking about women, the, the women who have been cheated on and, uh, what would you say for them? Like the, how to, how to heal from that, how to, how to recover from that, or even for the women who are, who are cheating too. Like, what would you say is the path?
1: Well, you know, usually external betrayals follow internal betrayals. So usually a betrayal outside of us, you know, I was cheated on when I was 19 and I can think of the moment three months before where I betrayed myself, where I didn't leave the relationship because I was afraid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was thinking, well, when, when I could look back with, you know, more sober eyes, I remember thinking, well, that's exactly what happens to someone who betrays themselves. Like I only ended up in that moment where I got cheated on, where I found out about it. Because I chose a different path three months earlier, I chose to stay when my intuition was like, protect yeah. yourself, have some boundaries, you know, but I didn't have that skill, I didn't, I had a lot of things that I needed to process without that pain, I wouldn't have processed it, you know, there's a lot of wisdom in all fractures, if we're willing to look at it, you know, so look, if you've been cheated on, first off, oops, sorry, let me shut that off. So I don't get beeped all the time. If you've been, if you've been cheated on, then first off, I'd say that no matter what you choose to stay and work it out or to go, you'll be the villain in someone's story. You know, no matter what you choose. And that's because people will project their own values and ideologies onto you and their own experiences. And so you have to do what feels right for you. You know, I often think that there's no wrong choice. Like yeah. if you want to leave something or you want to stay, no matter what, you're informed about the value of what you had or the weight of what you had and you're always just gathering more information i'd say i'd ask people why are they staying you know what are they hoping you know what is it a pattern they witnessed in the past is this more tolerance how many times has it happened you know and a real good question to ask oneself is is staying or going abandoning yourself yeah yeah And you just got to sit with that again. Like what stories have people taught you about it? There's so many things to explore. The other side is that, you know, I did a podcast episode with Julie Gottman, uh, which I think would be really valuable for anyone wanting to repair infidelity just to link out in the show notes, um, because she goes through it in in much more detail. But she talks about the Gottmans have a process through which they recommend. And then for you guys listening, Gottmans are like the freaking godmother and godfather of of marriage and family therapy and marriage research and i mean really part of it is boundaries the first part is boundaries if we're going to work this out what are my boundaries around your communication with that person your communication with people um here's what i need to have trust i need access to this i need to be able to read this Here's what I need for this to work out. Do you want to do that? And they get to decide if they agree with their boundary, your boundaries or not. You also need deal breakers. I will no longer tolerate this, this, and this. And you have to not tolerate them. There has to be consequences to all these boundaries or else you're going to sell yourself out. You're going to maintain yourself in a relationship that just keeps requiring you being a doormat, which is often what creates that. Not saying I'm not victim blaming here. I'm saying that often when we're boundaryless, we end up in these circumstances because a boundary would have prevented a lot of things before. Again, not to shame anybody, but to inform us. Um, And if you decide to leave, I mean, we really have to process the story about how we feel about ourselves. What did we make it mean about us? You know, as I said, you know, the first thing that I did when I would work with couples who were navigating uh, infidelity was just to claim that the person who cheated is not the villain.
0: Yeah, it's a dynamic.
1: They're part of the story. And it although it's an unhealthy behavior that's had a significant impact, it still requires exploration. And, and there's so much of a soup of shame they're swimming in.
0: Yeah. And
1: so if someone has cheated and is leaving, again, just getting to the core reasons. Why was it to leave? Is it a repeated pattern? Have they cheated in every relationship? What do they make it mean about themselves? All that kind of stuff. So- I think there's a lot. Look, any, as I said, any fracture is an invitation to deepen. You know, anytime you have any relational challenge, your pain is being, is asking you to explore because there's a skill set that exists in the pain. Like something that's, you know, if I said to my younger self who didn't have that boundary in that moment before I got cheated on, I would say, what would you have me learn? so that we do our best to never end up in that again like it won't be my fault but i can say that was largely my fault even though that sounds weird to say but it was i i contributed to the creation of the circumstances that led to the infidelity because i didn't listen i wasn't listening to what she was saying and i wasn't listening to what my heart was saying so i forced circumstances that were just unrealistic you know that we were allowed to see other people but we would just tell each other and then she never told me and and you know that was it um when we should have just broken up
0: right yeah every every woman i've ever worked with who has been cheated on knew and they didn't necessarily know that that was the thing some did some yeah. had like a very strong intuition that it was cheating but they knew for a long time that something was really off and a lot of them were like the the um, narcissistic many We're times cheaters, yes. serial cheaters, but didn't find out till uh, often they don't find out till all at once. Yeah, but they all had a gut feeling, which is why you know the the journey of coming back home to yourself and doing the deeper healing and using these opportunities as a, as a catalyst to know yourself is so important to know your protection. Your pain, how you contributed to the dynamic, what it, whether it's the nice girl, the doormat, the fantasy addict, like what part of you is contributing to the relational dynamic where you're not actually coming from truth. Cause I think that to me, that's the the reason cheating happens so much. We so we talk about the old paradigm of relationship, which is, you know, coming from protection, everyone's forced to be in relationship you have to be with one person forever there's no other option like there's lots of layers but it's essentially yeah, what you're a
1: your failure
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's what you're helping people break free from too. And then the new paradigm, which I think is the foundation to healthy relationships. The most important thing is honesty and communication, like open communication. And that's, what's missing. So when people, like people aren't talking about the little fractures that happen in relationship or, or, you know, they're talking about it, but in a way that's totally blaming their partner and then they're shut down. And then there's a, and we're just constantly um, in either a, a silent war with each other or an, or an outward external war with each other, which eventually erodes at the, at the whatever's there. And then cheating is really the the pain coming out sideways.
1: Right. And, and devastating, you know, it's devastating. That's why yes. those betrayals rock you because we yes. don't trust people. But I think ultimately we don't trust ourselves,
0: yes. you know, and, the, yeah. and
1: then we avoid relationship instead of doing the deep work to build the skill to make us more confident in opening our hearts, you know, so we close our hearts. And, you know, I really think that's what a broken heart is. A broken heart is not a betrayed heart, because you're just feeling the cost of love, the price of love. And I don't mean that in like a good price. But I mean, when your heart is open, it means you're going to be open to the griefs of the world. Yes. When it's closed, it's broken. So it's more like, how can I be informed by the pain that my heart is feeling to say, Hey, I need some boundaries here. I need a voice here. I need to express here. I need to leave here. I need to start here. I need to learn how to be more vulnerable. I need to learn how to communicate better. Um, yeah, it's as you know, when I think of my circumstances back then, it was like, I didn't want to open the relationship to see other people. I was 19, you know, I was in love this, with this woman. She went away mm-hmm. to college and on a on a soccer scholarship and I was deeply in love with her. So I was willing to do whatever I could to keep it.
0: For her, yeah.
1: Yeah, but the irony is, is that when I agreed to see other people, but we would tell each other, I had no interest in seeing her. It wasn't even on my radar. I didn't oh. want that. I didn't want to see other people. Right. So I sold myself out to keep the illusion of connection with her. Which crumb-
0: crumbles the connection because now you're a liar to yourself. Exactly.
1: I'm yeah. lying.
0: Yes.
1: I'm manipulating.
0: What?
1: Because by I'm not nice. telling her the truth.
0: Right. It, by right. being quote unquote nice. Right. <laughs>
1: But every time I've been that kind of nice, which is that contrived nice I was talking about, one, they don't respect you because they can feel it. You're so full of shit and you're being a sissy. And maybe people don't like that word, but you know what I'm
0: saying. (laughs) You're being a a pushover
1: and you're being a doormat and you're going to end up with freaking footsteps on your forehead, you know? And so that was the cost, you know, but I, I think of how liberating understanding that is and how much that pattern showed up subtly throughout my life because I wasn't willing to look at it. I thought I had processed that. Oh my God, no, I hadn't at all. I remember someone saying to me when I was on a call with her, her name's Kelly Marceau, and she said to me, a Groves, and I was like, we just met. I'm like, I don't think you have the rapport for my last name to go straight to that. But she's like, Groves, have you ever actually let a woman love you? And I was like, yeah. And then I, you know, but it was one of those statements where I got kicked right in the nuts and I got off the call with her and I was 35. I'm 43 now. And all of a sudden I realized the last time I let someone love me was that moment when I found out I got cheated on. And so you think I spent 16 years. I was in two long-term relationships, one engagement with one of them and thought I was participating in a relationship and I certainly was, you know, within my capacity, but all of a sudden that awareness that I hadn't let someone love me, anyone who could, I kind of ran from or was very avoidant with and anyone who wasn't ready or couldn't, I loved mm-hmm. chasing. So uh-huh. it was like, uh, you know, I, and we build these upper limits through our relational experiences. And so I always have people finish the sentences when I let people love me, they And when I love people, they. And when I love people, I. And usually what's at the end of those is they leave me. They lie to me. They cheat on me. When I love people, I lie. I cheat. I betray myself. And so we have these underlying beliefs that the story will get there if we let it. So we'll either get, get it there ourselves or we'll always avoid it. And if you think about it, These are usually childhood experiences, not always, but they're often childhood experiences. And the belief I created when I left her house, when I found out was when I love people, I, I betray myself. I can't trust myself. It's too much for me. And when I let them love me, they betray me. They lie to me. I can't trust them, you know? And so I started to all of a sudden put together these pieces that I'd spent my life hovering below this line of what I knew I could tolerate. I was always in control of connection. If I was having fleeting intimacy, it was because I could control the depth. And, you know, of how much I would feel seen, but not too much. And I'd experience arousal. And I'd also experience validation. I'm enough. I'm desired. But underneath all that, I felt undesired and I felt unworthy. Because I didn't get to the core of any of that stuff. And so, anyone listening at the core of those behaviors, even the behavior of the serial narcissistic cheater, is its total fear of vulnerability and openness. The serial narcissistic cheater, I would say, is more a psychological issue. The people who just experience, you know, a cheating maybe once in their life, or it's a behavior they do every once in a while, it's usually a relational issue you know, a pattern that just yeah. needs to be disrupted. You know, I was listening to, um, uh, uh, what's her name? Who does the work? Uh,
0: oh, Byron Katie.
1: Byron Katie. Yeah, oh, okay. man, I'm like, I love her. I can't believe I just dropped her name. <laughs> um, and she was saying, till you can come to the place where you realize you are also 100% responsible for your 50%, yeah. then you haven't done the work enough.
0: So true. And it's so beautiful hearing your story because it's, I mean, especially because our listeners are mostly women, um, not hundred percent. We do have some men, but mostly women. And, you know, women often carry these stories that especially there's a lot of avoidant men out there because men have there been- are. Uh, so emotionally repressed mm-hmm. in so many ways, and it's so nice to hear the story behind the avoidance because women internalize it and take it so personally, and and that just adds to their story and to their pattern and to how they're showing up and the the neediness and the anxious attachment style trying to chase the avoidant and stay and do whatever it takes and stay with the cheater because she just wants to hold it together because that's the thing right. and uh, and and so and and then uh, so often now I think you, especially now that personal development but personal developments becoming more mainstream and these terms are becoming more common. It's uh it's so easy for women to be like, oh yeah, there's another emotional, level. oh, it's an avoidant, it's avoidant. Oh, all men are men are this, men are that, and to just label the whole, you know, sex as a well. whole. And and so it's so nice to remember like your your partner cheated and yet you took your this whole conversation is about your responsibility for your part because the truth is we don't have control over what other people do and don't no. do even in the like trying to salvage the relationship and setting boundaries with the other person they might do it they might not but ultimately the only thing you have control over is wait what's my contribution to this pattern like you said am I am I being boundary? am I speaking my truth am I standing with and for myself am I you know am I taking responsibility for my own pleasure or am I expecting him to make me feel sexy and beautiful or whatever? Like it's the, it's the blame game that keeps us, that keeps these patterns alive versus taking full responsibility for our side, because that's the only part we can actually clean up.
1: Right. And you know, it's, it's not saying that being cheated on is anyone's fault. Cause that's no. usually the, no. <laughs> the pushback I get, but it's saying that we participated in a pattern that the outcome was that it yes. doesn't mean it's our fault that they chose that. Disruptive behavior, um, because that's often what I read in comments. Will be like cheating, full stop. Horrible, they're horrible people. Blah blah blah. And they're clearly people who have been cheated on, who haven't fully explored the pain of it, yeah. and so they're going around the internet villainizing anyone who's done that. I totally under, I get it. But cheating isn't, you know, when they say, "Well, you have so many choices before then." Sam Harris talks about this. That's the illusion of free will. It's like walking by a homeless person and being like, why don't you just get a job and quit heroin? Right. Because we're projecting our own ability to get a job and not be on heroin. But, you know, Sam Harris makes the argument that if we traded places with that person sell for sell, moment for moment, we'd all be an addict too. Right. You know, much like he also uses the conversation about Nazi Germany. We traded roles. If we traded spaces with one of those soldiers, had their life exposed to the propaganda they were exposed to, we'd all be like that. You know, and I, I think we've seen some level of that in in the last couple of years, just psychologically, how we've been divided and how easy it is for us to villainize family members to yes. be so separated. But that's a whole and blame, other and blame
0: and blame the worms, other person. Right? Yeah, yeah, blame the
1: other person. Put them yeah. in a political ideology box. One person calls a group sheep. The other one calls them anti everything. You know, and they they are they're the exact same expression of intolerance. You know, that's the irony. That's the joke. Is you know that the left and right wing belong to the same bird in horseshoe theory. You end up hitting each other on the left right wing politics because they're so far that they're both just intolerant of different things.
0: Exactly. Again,
1: total other. And, of worms. But,
0: but it's the same. It's the same. And, and, you know, like you said earlier, the cheater looks so much worse and, um, on paper. And again, it's not, not to, not to say the behavior is okay or not. Okay. But like, we all have manipulative behavior behaviors. Like, like you said, people 100%. pleasing, it's people pleasing. We're all capable of cheating. Yeah, exactly. And people pleasing you know, is manipulating and shape shifting and you know, being in fantasy about who you think someone is as opposed to actually being curious and getting to know who they who they are. And so yeah. when we're like when we're not equipped with knowing who we are in relationship, we're mostly coming from projection and protection and not actually right. bringing our full selves into the relationship. So even though in in my experience of unpacking relationships with the women I work with, one person, no matter what, whether it's cheating or not, one person looks worse on paper—the jealous person, the cheater, the whatever. Like one person's right. messier, right? One person's like more obviously the the the, the issue. But but there's a, like there's a contribution on both sides.
1: Well, our vulnerability is marred by righteousness, you know. And yeah. if we can't move out of righteousness, which creates a hierarchy, which makes yes. it so we'll never be met then we're dehumanizing the other person, but we're also dehumanizing ourselves, you know, that's the irony of it, and and it's, you know, it's like when one person has totally got their shit together in a relationship, you know, identifies as that, and the other person identifies as broken, and one person is always asking the other person to read this, and get this podcast, and do they're taking away the space for the broken person to realize they're not broken and stand up, right? Like stand and become an adult. And the other person is still in a childlike behavior and they're not standing and becoming an adult. Because if you think of it like attachment theory too, avoidant attachment is afraid of closeness. They're afraid that space will be taken away. Anxious attachment is afraid that there'll be too much space and they will be left. So, Both are actually just afraid of the space between each other, Mm, right? And so if an anxious person stops chasing, full stop, it forces the avoidant person to learn how to come towards. If the anxious person keeps going towards them, they never give them the chance to become an adult. And the anxious person in not stopping never gets the chance to become an adult because an adult doesn't chase. And you think about it from the nervous system perspective, an anxious person doesn't know how to self-regulate. An avoidant person doesn't know how to co-regulate. And by doesn't know how, what I really mean is they don't trust it. They don't trust co-regulation and the other person doesn't know how to sit in their own feelings. So the way that they distract from their own feelings is to go chase other people. The way that the person avoids co-regulation is by becoming an island, you know, and it I would say that in the dating relational world, the avoidant is generally villainized. Yes. But the they actually,
0: <laughs> what's that? The needy one, the the right. one that's checking their phone every five minutes. Well, that
1: person usually can say, I love all out and I'm just good. I just want love. I just want someone to show up for me. And the avoidant, they're unavailable. Right. They're not around. They don't reply to texts. They're, they ghost, right? They have all these patterns. And that's why it's actually so easy to switch between the two, you know, because there's a lot of people with disorganized detachment where they go from anxious to avoidant. And that's because you never have to become secure. They're both insecure ways of relating. And so you can pivot from one to the other, which is what I used to do too. You know, I'm more prone to anxiousness because Kai is more prone to avoidance. Mm -hmm. So when I can feel her go into avoidance, it, I can feel it in my nervous system before I even can consciously feel it. And then I have to be mindful of it. The narrative I have in my mind though is I did something wrong. Mm -hmm. And so I have to be mindful that there's a responsibility on her side in that. Um, And thankfully (laughs) she's able to take responsibility too. But it's natural for me to to be like, what did I do and get defensive as opposed to invite, co-regulation and and resolving you know like the ultimate skill of everyone in relationship is repair
0: yes Absolutely. Yeah. It's not about, and I'm so glad you brought that up because so I think this is the new parent, the new fantasy of relationship is the conscious relationship, but it's, it's not about not having the issues and not having your patterns arise, not having your, not fighting, not, it's about how you navigate it. When you get triggered, how, how you, how you repair it after how you, yeah. Own your side of the street and are willing to hear and listen to your partner.
1: Well, can you acknowledge that you get defensive? Can you like yeah. the ultimate, you know, even the idea of conscious relating, Yeah. as you said, I think it's simply put is a commitment to truth. That's it. Yeah. Conscious relating is just a commitment to truth and truth navigated from a conscious, but not from a conscious hierarchical perspective, no. but from a, I'm aware and I'm willing to learn. Yeah. To me, that's awakening, you know, An awakening which can occur from anything that is disruptive to our pattern, which can be infidelity, which can be a breakup, which can be a divorce, which can be an overdose, which can be anything, a porn addiction. It doesn't matter. An overt uh, addiction to texting, you know, our phones, all of them are windows into saying that there's a pattern that needs to be disrupted. And an awakening is just beginning to ask questions. Why do I do what I do? Is there more to life? I feel like there's more to relationship. I was going to say one thing too that often happens when people cheat is it's so liberating because they're so tired of being seen as the good person or the angel or the whatever that -hmm. all of a sudden they're like, yeah, I burnt this bitch down. Like I'm Mm going to burn it all down. Like you think you know me? Like they no longer feel like they're under contract for the personality they portray, for the identity they portray. I think you see this a lot in religious or cultural circles that have a similar value that is as religions. And I don't mean value. I should say moralization of things because you often see people cheat or in these circumstances or have porn addictions because they're, 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 they they just want to totally blow up this identity that everyone's committed to. That's why you see in like Mormonism, uh, extreme Christianity, you see a higher level of porn addiction, You often also, I know in uh, Utah, there's a higher rate of prescription meds for anxiety, depression. And you think about it, the correlation to feeling disconnected from self, disconnected from truth. All of that creates pain. You know, if I pretend that I'm a non-sexual person and you're a human, which makes you sexual, or at least prone to arousal,
0: Mm -hmm. but you
1: were taught that arousal is bad and means you're going to go to hell then you have to disconnect from the part of you that experiences arousal. And you might only allow yourself to experience arousal in shadow behaviors like cheating, drinking. You might drink in order to do that. You might take drugs. But you want to numb somehow the pain of being disconnected from who you are, from your truth. And so sometimes the only way that we know how to liberate ourselves from truth uh, to truth is by blowing everything up. And that sometimes is the first way we do it. But then we realize truth is home, and instead of having dark coping mechanisms, we actually start to transition to light coping mechanisms, like nature, like meditation, like um, like sex that where we're in our bodies and we're sober. You know. Anyways, that's a long uh, rant.
0: Yeah, that's so true. It's so true, and and I think that that is. I've seen that a lot too. Um, just that that liberation, like when it's when someone isn't self-aware and doesn't have the skills and the tools to be able to know how to have an honest conversation, how to heal the deeper pain that's inside, how to know what's theirs, what's their, like, all, I mean, we're just thrown in the deep end with no manual, no, like no education on how to have relationships, how to communicate, how to know your, understand your feelings, how to heal your trauma. Like none of that. We don't learn anything. And, but yet every person on planet earth is expected to be with one person forever. And that's still in 2022. That's still the narrative that everyone is so attached to, like not everyone on planet earth, but like and I just think like even that, the 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 women who make the decision from the fantasy story that they've been fed their whole lives, they make the decision like before they even meet the person, oh, I just want to meet my it's future husband. Like, how do you know you want a husband until you meet someone you actually like hanging out right. with? What if you never meet someone you actually really like <laughs> to be around and have, you know, a solid, healthy relationship with? And so it's like all these it's the pressure of the matrix and the old paradigm and our conditioning of what our life is supposed to look like that has us leave our soul at the door and conform, whether it's religion or just our social conditioning or our family system or whatever. And then we show up and we we pretend, you know, to be someone we're not. Of course, you're going to fucking cheat. Or of course, right. you're going right. to, you, you, your your partner's going to cheat. Or of course, you know. It, I mean, if you're not honoring who you are and, and you don't know who you are, like to me, that's where you have to start. Like, wh- who are you?
1: All right. What a great question. Who am I? Who are you if you didn't have a name? You know, when you start to get down to the base of it, you know, I was listening to uh, Martha Beck who has a great book called The Way of Integrity, which is really about everything we're talking about. And in it, she talks about sitting in front of a tree and just imagining maybe it wasn't in her book but anyways she talks about how sit in front of a tree and there's just imagine that it's not actually called the tree because that's yeah. just what we agreed to call the tree yeah. you know and yeah. when you take away the label which i'm not saying that's not useful but when you take away the label you end up in the infinite yes. which is much like if you take away the label of self mark i am mark well i'm not mark that's a name that everyone mostly has agreed to call me and And that's what my family named me. But beyond that, actually, all of a sudden, we go into this abyss that feels a little unnerving. You know, it feels a little bit like too much to touch because you start to feel the infinite of everything. And, you know, you're talking about the relational story. I mean, Disney rom-coms generally, but Disney especially, taught women that they need to be saved and men that they need to do the saving. And women that they need to be chosen and men that they need to be doing the choosing. And ultimately the woman is making the choice in that, but you know what I mean? And so what happens is, is we navigate dating from this space of needing to be chosen or needing a high power partner or needing whatever we're seeking value in the identity of the relationship. And so we'll spend our time and the way we present ourselves trying to be the best product, trying to be the best choice, trying to be, and I'm not saying there's not value in being a good mate choice, but we place our value in the being chosen. Hmm. And right away, what that has us do is spend time pursuing people that often re-injure us in similar ways where we're not being chosen or with people who will never do it. Or when we get them, we're so proud of being chosen that we're not actually really embodied and grounded. Like you said, we spend this time committing to till death To us part at the age of 19 21 25 i mean i didn't know myself in any way in any of those times and to be fair anyone who this is not to shame that as a beautiful story if it's your story and you love your partner that you chose at 19 that's incredible but it's to say that so many of us enter those stories because we're taught that that's the story we're supposed to live. And this is the role we're supposed to take. And this is who I'm supposed to be. This will be mean that I have value in my culture, my family, my community, because I did everything that everyone else has been doing. But then you realize at 40, 45, 55, whatever it is, that you may never have been really truly connected to yourself, that... The choice till death do us part, which I think is a fascinating vow, which I'm not sure people say anymore, but I really started to break that down. Like, does that mean the death of the self literally, or does that mean the death of the part of us that chose the relationship from a different belief, from a different desire?
0: There's a good loophole for the people who don't don't want to break the vow.
1: (laughs) Right. It really is because you think, when you're 19, your values and desires out of a relationship usually aren't embodied. I'm not saying that's always true, but it's often true. Like we're choosing what we're taught to choose. And sometimes that can be abusive dynamics. Sometimes that can be just total dysfunctional dynamics that we're part of. And, and so we wake up to that through the pain of it, through the dysfunction, through the knowledge that we're gaining through maybe being a parent, whatever it is, we don't wanna repeat the pattern because we start to see our child through our eyes and that changes everything. Or at least we're invited to. And so we all of a sudden are being invited to wake up to something different, to create something different. You know, Alexandra Solomon talks about how in our lives we'll be married many times and it'll sometimes be to the same person. And she's been married 20 something years to her husband, Todd. But she talks about how there's so many different versions of them that have evolved through the relationship. You know, my dad was married before he met my mom, got divorced, then met my mom, and, and created love in that space. So it's never too late. You can always create more love. You can always change your patterns. You can always become everything. You can always become committed to truth. It might disrupt your life for a little bit, but you'll feel free. Yeah. And that's the catch. And look, we can shame how we get to freedom, but I can tell you this. If you are, feel free, the other person is free. They just don't know it yet. As Glendon Doyle says, there's no such thing as one way liberation. There isn't, you know, I was um, at a breakfast place near our house here and the server followed me on Instagram. And he said hi to me. He was a really, really nice guy. And he said, you know, he just left his partner. He had just broken up with her. And he said something so profound he said, cause he really loved her. He really felt connected to her. And he said, but the relationship just wasn't for me. Mm. And he said, you know, and I realized that if it wasn't for me, it's not for her. She just might not know that yet. Yes. And I thought, how simple, you know, yeah. but I say to people like one of the qualifiers of your person is they should want to be your person.
0: 100%. And it, like, if they stop right. wanting to be your person, it's no longer they're not your person you because the
1: qualifier is you yes. only want to be with people who want to be with you. Yes. Allow people to become the one, not just give it away. And, and the one is even allow people to become your person your per- that yeah. could change. Right. Yes. And allow people to change. If you don't allow people to change, you won't allow yourself to change because you'll fear that change means the relationship will break apart, but actually change can continue to break the re- bring the relationship together.
0: That's how you don't get bored. Like you get bored, cheat right. <laughs> if if, right. if you're not allowing yourself tie other each other up. Change, and that's you know. part of the problem. <laughs> Are we talking S and M now? That's part. You know, of the keep the it problem. adventurous. Sorry.
1: Do some <laughs> anal play. Whatever
0: <laughs> you got to do, you know keep it spicy. But that's part of the problem is the the complacency that comes with, okay, forever. And now we get in a box and like you stay the same, I stay the same. And I'm always going to see you as who you were. You're always going to see me as who I was. And we're going to hold each other there and hold ourselves there. This is why these behaviors happen. So yeah, keep like, I mean, none of us know our future selves, lean into your relationship and yourself fully now. And you know if it ends, that rupture is meant for you. And then there's going to be another one and there's going to be another one. And this is life is just, that's it. Series of many experiences and none of us know what the future is. But most of us miss right now because we're so busy, like, you know, letting all these crazy parts of us lead the way.
1: (laughs) So true. And you think most of our relational challenges are due to the collapse of self. If even having a self, we often enter relationship, they complete me. You know, if they left, I'd be missing a part of me. No, you wouldn't. You'd be missing the part of you that you're not touching that is yes. filled by them. Yes. You know, and and so when you can define a self within an us, which means that you have a self and you have another self and maybe you're polyamorous, so you got a few other selves, but the relationship <laughs> itself is separate. And so you're not two halves that make a whole, you're two wholes yes. that create something that's greater than both of you. And so if honoring the relationship is honoring the self, then your value will always be to your partner honoring themselves, which means it's honoring the relationship. And, you know, I was talking to a friend the other day and we were talking about how it's interesting that you get to a place of relating, at least in my experience, it might be true for someone else, uh, where if Kai's truth was that she needed to be with someone else that would be a painful truth for me to hold, yeah. but for her to be with me when she needs to be somewhere else, it would not be right for me. Mm-hmm. Like I would want her to go towards what her heart desires. And if that means not me, then that would break my heart and it would, it would hurt, Yeah, but I'd actually know that it's not about me because I'm showing up the best yeah. I can and I'm being the best I can you know and that's where we start to separate self-worth from relational outcomes.
0: Yeah. Yes. Which
1: is really what's being invited of all of us. And oh, sure. and also being informed by our relational outcomes as to how we can grow and be better.
0: And how you yeah how you can understand your own part. Yeah. in it. And you know we don't have time right now but like if you have any last words about the woman the other woman who is the other woman who, who, cause I, I, I've uncovered that a lot and it's often women that I don't expect it from. And there's not that there's, I say that without, with non-judgment, because again, it's coming from that same place, but, and I think a little bit of the specialness, you know, like A Course in Miracles, the special love, ego love, um, is I'm chasing, I'm chasing specialness by being the other woman. Mm-hmm. Um, any any final words about that? And then any final words you have to say?
1: Well, I think we need to look at what were we taught about secrets, keeping secrets, keeping relationships secret, keeping our values secret. That can come back to a lot of things from our childhood. Um, maybe what we learned in churches and whatever. Yeah. The other side is that when you look at someone who is the other person, they're not being chosen and they're not gonna be chosen. You know, they often get promised that the other person will leave, and then they never do, or they do leave, and then they never get in a relationship with them, or maybe they do, and they never look at their pattern of how they always have. Person
0: cheats on them. They just have
1: another other person. Yeah. But when we are the other person, we're essentially choosing someone who's not available, and we're creating the message for ourselves that I'm not worthy of being chosen. I'm not worthy of being a priority, and we're living in it. We're living in it, and we're also living in hope and potential. That is not being realized today. Listen, if you live in the potential of someone else and mm. their future that they're not moving towards, then you are giving your own potential away. That's what you're trading in. And so I would look at how do I value myself? Where have I not been prioritized? Where have I felt second to someone else? And also that we're using a shadow behavior of sort of conspiracy, you know, uh, what is the right word? Um, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but like colluding, we're colluding with this other person and we're totally out of integrity. I don't care what excuse you have. Yeah. I'm sure it's super valid, but you're still out of integrity. If you desire a relationship and one where you are valued and one where your partner tells the truth and is honest you are not only fracturing that truth, so is the person you're in a relationship with. So you're not actually living what you say you want. And that's mm-hmm. a piece of truth all of us have to come home to because that's integrity. And that's also shows up in our inability to take responsibility for the behaviors in our life.
0: Yeah. You know, so for sure
1: that would- I think that says enough about that role.
0: Sure, For sure. I'm glad we got to touch on that. And it's the, um, I feel like you're playing out the other person's fantasy. You're their escape fantasy, basically. Right. If you're you're having an affair with someone who's married or in a relationship, you are their escape fantasy, which is not rooted in reality. It's not grounded and anchored. That's not real healthy. You're their fucking distraction. Yeah, exactly.
1: Like you're, You know where they physically arouse themselves to not have to pay attention or deal with the dysfunction of their relationships and the circumstances of their life. Yeah. Fuck that.
0: Yeah. Fuck that. And how we re how we re, re, re connect with our self worth because I believe our worth is always there and we always have access to it is change our behavior and and what we're willing to tolerate and not willing to tolerate. Amen. So, yeah. yeah. All right, my love, do you have any final words or any, uh, any support resources that would help with this that you want to share?
1: Do yeah, I have, um, I have a program called Rediscover Your Wholeness that's all about discovering yourself. It's all right. about stepping into your integrity. If you're needing to learn boundaries, I have a boundaries course. You can get all my courses at createthelove.com. I also am the co-founder of an app called Mind m-i-n-e apostrophe d and you can find that at do you mind which is M-I-N-E-D.com. and on there we have like you know some of the top relational health experts in the world uh, you got there's over 1100 videos there's it's uh you know there's so many different places you can find yourself in there uh so lots of options
0: amazing well, and look- i have a
1: podcast Hello. yeah
0: oh yeah the mark gross podcast right that's what yeah. it's called yeah. yeah, beautiful. And create the love is Mark's Instagram. We'll link this all below. But thank you again, my friend. It was so fun jamming out with you. I just adore you. And you I'm so too. grateful for the for the bright light and the uh, revolutionist, I want to say, you are in the world, the renegade, <laughs> renegade man that you are in the world. So thank you for always speaking the truth. And thanks for sharing your love with the new truth today.
1: Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate you.